This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From baseball's top personalities. The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players. Five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. <laughs> you would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. It's a special edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend as we're remembering the 1972 World Series champion Oakland Athletics. We honored the team recently at the Coliseum. You're going to hear from the Hall of Famer Raleigh Fingers, Vita Blue, and Gene Tennis. But we'll start with arguably the greatest reliever of all time, at least one of them. Here is Hall of Famer Raleigh Fingers. You know, earlier today, Raleigh, when we were doing the season ticket holder event, you know, I tried to bring it up and 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 I talk about this all the time on my talk show about if you look at the numbers, your career is second to none. Truly, you can make an argument, the greatest reliever of all time, but it all has to start somewhere. And really the greatness of your career, your Hall of Fame career started with this group of guys in 1972, putting you on the map of that World Series. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, that year, um, I made the ball club uh, as a, uh, well, I made the ball club as a starter in 71, and then I really stunk the place up. And uh, Dick Williams was our manager in 71, and he took me out of the rotation, and he threw me in the bullpen uh, about halfway through the season. And uh, I just kind of fell into the job. I mean, I think I had 17 saves from midseason on, and then in 72, I was strictly a closer. And um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the idea of coming to the ballpark, maybe pitching that night. I couldn't handle being a starter and waiting four days to get knocked out in the second inning and then wait four days and get knocked out in the second inning again. So uh, I enjoyed the, the, uh, you know, the closer role. I enjoyed coming into pressure games. And I had halfway decent control so I could you know, throw the ball where I wanted to. So it was an easy fit for me. You know, a lot of guys struggle with the transition because as a starter, you get used to this routine about how you warm up and how you get ready compared to a guy in the bullpen. It's get up, get hot, and let's go. How was that transition for you from starter to reliever? Oh, it was pretty easy. I didn't need a whole lot of pitches to get warmed up. I kind of watched the game. If I saw, you know, the game's close, maybe a one or two run lead, and we're getting in close to the fifth inning, I just might get up on my own and just start tossing the ball a little bit just to get the blood flowing and then I'd sit down and then if something happened and I get a phone call then I would be up and ready to go within nine ten pitches so I could get uh, I could get warmed up and get into the game pretty quickly you know when you think back of this 1972 team you know you go on to win two more you guys establish this just legendary run by the A's that makes you a dynasty but how confident were you guys in 72 going up, not only winning the American League and then taking on the big red machine? Oh, golly. Uh, we were just happy to be there. And we had just uh, we had just lost Reggie in a sliding incident in, in uh, Detroit. 
And uh, we had lost Daryl Knowles. Uh, he broke his thumb, I think, on the last day of the season, fielding a ground ball. So we're going in without our left-handed closer and our power hitter, and we were supposed to get killed. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think I think there was more pressure on them than there was on us because we were supposed to lose. Uh, but we we had great pitching, and that's what we won on. We had, uh, I think, Catfish won 20 games. Holtzman, I think, won 20 games that year. Uh, Odom had a great year. Vita Blue. And, um, you know, we had, some, we had some solid guys in the bullpen with myself and Bob Locker and Dave Hamilton. Um, but I think we went into that series with eight pitchers. And uh, we, uh, we outpitched them. Uh, they, had a great, they had a great offense, but our, our pitching staff handled, especially the top three or four guys in their batting order, Rose, Morgan, Bench, and Perez, we kind of handcuffed them. They didn't get too many hits. Yeah, that's the thing that that I always look at when people talk about, you know, we got so into this, uh, a closer comes in, ninth inning, that's the only time he pitches, team's got to be tied or mostly ahead. And I go, if you look at Raleigh Finger's numbers, where you're throwing over 100 innings in a season, you think of the volume that you pitch, the amount of innings. I mean, you could come in in the sixth or seventh inning, and you were taking this thing to the house. Oh, yeah, there was was usually nobody else after me. It was... uh... You know, it was me or the out house or the castle, one of the two. So uh, you know, I I would Dick would bring me in in the in the sixth, seventh innings a lot. Uh, I went in '74. Alvin Dark brought me in in the fifth inning of the first game of the World Series, and uh, you know because he knew that I could I could throw four or five innings. So I didn't mind it. I enjoyed the work. Uh, I didn't like going out there a whole lot and just pitching one inning. I needed a lot of work to stay sharp. So for me, it was great for my control, being able to, to hit spots. And, uh, and more the more, pitch, more I pitched, the better I got. Well, of course, you'd go on, and whether it was with the Padres or the Brewers and had, you know, phenomenal years, there's no question. But with, with Oakland, did it take going to other organizations to realize just how crazy everything was with the Oakland A's? Oh yeah, when I left the A's, I went to San Diego, and uh, you know we were on a we were on a fourth place, fifth place team, and I said, "Wow, this is not the way the game's supposed to be played." <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were struggling. I mean, we were struggling. We weren't winning ball games. We'd lose series. We'd lose seven, eight in a row. I said, "Man, this is this is not the way it's supposed to be." But uh, you know, you got to go somewhere, and I went to San Diego. I thought they were going to have a pretty good ball club. That's why I signed with them uh, when I became a free agent. I would, I think all of us would have loved to have stayed with the A's, but Charlie Finley just did not want to pay us. He didn't want to come up with the money, and he wasn't going to pay the uh, salaries that free agency was going to, to to bring into the game. So he uh, he got out of the game, and uh, I wish we could. That was the saddest day in my career. It was uh, the last game in 1976 because we all knew. We were going different directions. The whole nucleus of that team was gone. Realistically, I mean, not everybody is always going to stay with a team. That's just a reality. But if you do keep the core and add to the core, how much more do you think you guys could have won? Well, we were all we were all basically right around 30 years of age. I mean, we were right in the middle of our career. Everybody, Reggie and Sal and Campanaris, Dick Green, Joe Rudy, Fossey. I mean... That was the nucleus of that ball club, and if we could have stayed together, we were just getting good. And I think we could have probably won maybe another two or three world championships, if, if keeping Catfish, you know, and keeping Holtzman. But Charlie just got rid of everybody. And if we would have stayed together, I think we could have done some some great things. 
By the way, is the mustache one of the greatest things you ever came up with? Oh, it was the stupidest and the greatest, you know. <laughs> I was just being stupid. Uh, you know, we started growing mustaches in 72, and uh, no one, everybody was just growing, growing a regular mustache. I said, oh, what the heck, I'm going to do a handlebar. So I started doing a handlebar, and I started getting guys out. So when you get guys out and you got a handlebar mustache, you keep it. And then all of a sudden, bang, we're in the World Series. I got the handlebar mustache. Now everybody recognizes me. Then we go to 73, got the handlebar. 74, I got the handlebar. I can't cut this thing off. You know, it's my lucky charm. So uh, I've had it ever since. I never had it off. Well, I got to tell you, we'll end on this. Uh, during COVID, we basically started replaying the World Series games. And it was Ken Korak and Ray Fossey and I would do like a pregame show leading in. And it was one of the things that Ray really stress with us is watch the volume that Raleigh pitches and the greatness that is Raleigh fingers. And, you know, looking back, you know, we try to teach a lot of our young fans that, you know, you just didn't come in for the ninth inning for three outs and, and the volume that I, I mean, what, what, what a guy would be like, you would be worth today someone who could be so good for so much but just just want you to know that it was really ray fossey that wanted all of our young fans to truly know what you meant to this organization well you know i loved ray he was a great catcher it was a shame what happened uh, to him but i loved throwing to him from 73 4 5 and 6 i pitched to him and uh, he, he knew he knew how to catch he uh, he knew hitters uh, he knew weaknesses, and uh, usually if he stuck fingers down, I threw him. If I shook him off, uh, he would come back with the same pitch. And I said, well, maybe he sees something that I don't. So I usually I usually stayed with what Ray called, but uh, he was a heck of a catcher. Hard, hard-nosed guy back there, too. He had a lot of injuries, but he always fought back. Well, it's great to have you on the program again. Enjoy the celebration with your guys, because we're celebrating truly one of the greatest teams of all time. All right, well, thanks a lot. Enjoyed it. From the Hall of Famer to the absolute rock star, the lefty Vita Blue. We got Vita Blue with us, and, you know, I think about the celebrations. They never get old, and when you get this group together, as special <laughs> as it is, what's it, what's it like for you because of just all the greatness you guys achieved together? Well, I'm still in awe of the fact that we accomplished what we accomplished, Chris. Uh, of course, the 72 one was our first one, but 73 and 74 was just as special. <laughs> But, uh, you know, as a kid, grew up in Mansfield, Louisiana, and making it to the major leagues, and then pitching in the World Series in 1972. From that event in 72, I got to meet Jackie Robinson, uh, Mr. Jackie Robinson, who threw out the first pitch in the 72 World Series. But, uh, hey, man, we won the World Series, and I'm very proud of the fact that I was a member of that 72 championship team. But who would have thought that 50 years later we'd still be talking about the legacy of the Oakland A's in the 72 season? And, uh we beat a good Cincinnati team. If we played them four more times, they would have beat us four in a row. <laughs> but we caught them on a on a bad series. That not a bad series. We outpitched them and outplayed them. They had the better team, but we outplayed them. You know, that's the thing that Ray Fossey always would talk to me about was the fact that you know you can say anything offensively. This team won and won three straight because he played against you and then played with you. He goes, this team, no question, won because of pitching and defense. Yeah, I think when Ray came over from Cleveland, he uh, he replaced, I think, uh, Dave Duncan went to Cleveland and Ray came to the A's. He was in awe of the fact that we, the way we acted amongst ourselves in the dugout and in the locker room. But uh, come game time, got between the white lines, we did our job the best of our ability. And uh, 
five divisional titles and three championships in between that, hey man, I'm still beating my chest, and I'm proud of the fact that I was sunk of proud of. I'm proud of the fact that I was part of something so special that people are still talking about, like I said, Chris. You know, when I think about you coming up at that time, obviously 71 was such a huge year, and, you know, you're winning all the awards, and you're on every, as we mentioned earlier today, you were on every single magazine and everything. I mean, how was that? Was that hard to take in, just the stardom that just came out of nowhere? You're a small-town kid. Now you're a rock star. Chris, deer in the headlights. Uh, green is a $2 bill, and um, I had the support of guys like Mudcat, Grant Vetches, who had been around, and Tommy Davis, who played for the Dodgers at one time. I actually roomed with those guys my first two years in the major leagues before they got traded away. Tommy went to Baltimore. I think Mudcat went back to the Pirates as a uh, spot reliever out of the bullpen, but those are the guys that passed the torch on to me, talked to me about how to deal with the media, how to deal with fans, how to deal with critics. And, uh, you know, the thing to do is just know what it means to be a major league player on and off the field. And, and uh, some of that stuff rubbed off on me. But uh, it was a thrill for me to be there. And, again, it was a deer in the headlight. I don't know how I got through it, man. I just took it all in stride. To uh, One thing I'm proud of that, that you didn't mention, I got a chance to go to Vietnam with Bob Hope in 1971. The winter of 1971, I was in Da Nang, Vietnam on Christmas Day. But the irony of that is I could have been one of those guys because I was 21 years old at the time. And the, the Vietnam conflict was, it was at full bore at that time. But I joined the Army Reserves. I worked at the Oakland Army Base for six years during the time that I was playing Major League Baseball. So I did double duty, man. And uh, I'm a patriotic SOB. I sang the anthem. I even sang the Canadian National Anthem. <laughs> All my jackets have pin lapels on them. So, uh, you know, baseball opened that door for me to be in the military, and I'm proud of the fact that I was a uh, United States Army Reservist. Yeah, people don't realize, probably the younger generation, how just an international star Bob Hope was and where he went around the world for the troops like no other. So to be a part of that, my God. Hey, man, I did a skit with him. I remember this like it was yesterday, and the, and the skit, he says, uh, hey, Viter, thanks for coming along on the show. I said, okay, you're welcome, Bob. We had, uh, we had uh, Johnny Bitts last year. He was a big hit with the girls. And my line was, you know what they say, Bob. He said, what's that? Rucks were made to be broken. <laughs> <laughs> he was a big hit with the girls. I'm like, hey, hey, Bob, you know what they say. That's, what's that? Records were made to be brokers. <laughs> All right, man, that's good stuff. Oh. <laughs> You know, when we talk about getting together now with these guys and, you know, you guys have your own own world and us media people are going to ask you, but what's it like when the media goes away and you guys just get to talk about the good old times? It was a long time ago, but it was something special. It was uh, it was good to see us on the bus with the families on the bus today. Two guys did a rewind, went back to a situation in Texas where they had been out drinking. They were working their way back to the hotel. And they said they pulled into this redneck bar. And all the cowboy hats were on the hat rack in this bar. And one of the guys grabbed one of the guy's hats. And I didn't, I can't tell you the rest of the story because this is a family show, Townsend, and I got to respect that. But they luckily got out of there with their lives, man. You know, we're talking about Dallas, Texas, a redneck bar in Dallas, Texas in the early 70s. You just don't do that. <laughs> they're glad they, they were lucky that they're here. 
talk, tell, telling the story, man. Yeah, there's no question. Let's end on this. How's how's the kids, the girls? How's the family? How's the golf game? How is life now for Vital Blue? Hey, man, my engine warning light came on a couple of times, so you know I'm I'm trying to keep myself mentally strong but physically fit, and you know I go to the gym. I've cut back on my golf. Uh, during the pandemic, I hadn't gotten my shots, and I quit playing for a while just for my own protection and everybody else's. But uh, I'm gonna get. I promised myself that the month of June, I'm gonna go back out. I'm gonna hit from the white tees. I'm gonna get my game together. I'm gonna move back, not to the championship tees, but I play. I play from the tips every now and then, not the pro tees. But uh, life is good for Vita Blue. I have no complaints. And uh, uh, as of right now, the world is still my playground. Well, I always say this. You're just not an Oakland A's legend. You're a Bay Area sports legend. And everything that uh, you did, because there's so many fans, and, you know, both sides of the Bay, whether it's Oakland, San Francisco, uh, your career's fantastic. But more importantly, you've been one of the greatest guys that I've ever been around covering uh, all these years baseball. So thank you for everything you've done for us. Some guys like you make my job easy, <laughs> for real. And thank you for being so kind to me. And we will end with the 1972 World Series MVP, Gene Tennis. So it's great to see you again. You, you look fantastic, and I've got to think a celebration like this is so special to hang out with guys who mean so much to you. If this is after 50 years, yeah, it's good. It's nice to be standing upright, but uh, it's good to see. Which, you know, we're missing a few guys, but uh, they couldn't make it. And, of course, Bando, you know, with his situation, very disappointing uh, and sad. But it's the guys that are here, you know, it's fun to you know, reminisce about some stuff back in those days. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about it earlier with all the guys that, you know, if you're going to win three in a row, you got to win the first one. And just when you think back where you were at your career, thinking about the Cincinnati Reds, and obviously there was a lot of things going on with you and there was some scares there. So just when you think back of that World Series experience in 72, what was it like? Well, it's a, it's a tremendous experience. You know, uh, unfortunately uh, for me, I was a backup catcher. I didn't I – didn't, start becoming the, I didn't become the uh, regular catcher until middle of August and then uh, I don't know what happened with Duncan and, uh, and, and Dick Williams but anyway he put me behind the plate and the rest is you know pretty much history but you know you get out there you know I've, I've been here in the bullpen as a backup catcher for two years with these guys so I had a good idea you know what we had and uh, and then I just went out there and tried to do my job. Well, your job was pretty good. What, what was like? What was life like after beating the Cincinnati Reds and you having that huge series? You know, it was pretty hectic. You know, as far as uh, you know, going to different functions and banquets and the rubber chicken circuit. But <laughs> you know. It, it, that was the main thing. It was the fact that it was really hectic because uh, my phone never stopped ringing, you know, which was a first for me. <laughs> but uh, it was it was kind of I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. And then, you know, then once it was over with and, you know, then I got back to uh, getting in shape and getting ready for spring training. You know, I think about, you know, when, when when you reminisce about the good old days, a lot of the real fun stories. And we had a, for everybody who 
we doesn't know we had a season ticket holder event earlier today and one of the fun things you talked about getting on the mule and charlie o the mule there's so many fun things that you know are not going to come up in the media but how much of those things those stories come up in a day like this when you all get together <laughs> quite often <laughs> but you know it's fun to be able to you know like uh Epstein's talking about him and reggie getting the, the scuffle there in, in, in arlington and uh the funny thing is, you know, you look back on all those things and you go, wow. Man. And I just happened to come back in the clubhouse when there was nobody in there. And I just happened to see it and I just, you know, took off and tried to do the best I could to bring it, break it up. But, yeah, you know, just to sit around and reminisce about not only that, you know, off the field stuff or in the clubhouse stuff, but the, the way we played as a group. And, and I think uh, Steve up there said it best, you know, we had, we had our issues off the field but once we got between the white lines you would have never know we had a problem i mean it was it was just amazing how these guys come together and play as one unit you know the great answer is no comment when when you get asked yeah you know that's a big yeah that's usually a big uh a big question is no comment but yeah you look back on i mean when you when you when you talk about this this ball club, we're the only organization. Two, there's only one other organization that's done this. And of course, they've done it a few times. It was the Yankees, and then for us to do it, and nobody else has done it yet. It's mind-boggling. It gives you an idea how difficult it is to win. Not only win them one, that's tough enough, but to win three in a row. I mean, it's just unheard of. I mean, there's been organizations that won two. Like Cincinnati. Uh, when I was with Toronto, we won back-to-back. Yeah. As when I was there as a coach in 92-93. Uh, Couldn't get that third one, though. That's how tough it is. I mean, the competition is that good, you know, up here. Yeah, people don't realize it doesn't matter what sport it is. Like the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup final is trying to go for three in a row. I mean, just winning one, you can talk about a golfer or a tennis player winning one major, and you talk about winning multiple ones and doing it in back-to-back years is just unreal. But let's end on this because I want you to obviously have the time with all your buddies and all the families. You talked about catching this staff, and one thing our, our, our good friend Ray Fossey always talked to me about is that A's won championships because of pitching and defense. That's why you guys won. And you talk about this staff, just how special the pitching staff was and how it carried you guys. Well, it's the best staff, you know, uh, that I ever caught. And I played almost 15 years and uh, with diff- four different or three other different organizations. I was with the Cardinals in 82. We had a nice club. We won that world championship. But they couldn't compare. The pitching couldn't compare. But uh, Ray's 100% right. Our our strength was our pitching and defense. The thing about our defense is our pitching was good, really good, but our defense made him even better. And uh, that's the best way I can describe our ball club because we thrived on pitching and defense. We only had one 300 hitter. That was Joe Rudy. And, but we had a lot of clutch hitting guys. I'm going to tell you, just love to grind out at bats and try to do whatever, you know, whatever they could to, you know, two out RBIs were amazing. We had Bando and Jackson and, and other guy up and down, uh, Epstein, up and down that lineup, you know, Campy setting the table for these guys. You know, even Dick Green pitching in, you know, uh, at the bottom of the order. So, you know, we had a club that, you know, uh, enjoyed winning. I, I, I called a group of guys, 25 guys with great makeup. 
had a little talent, but had great makeup. And great make and me to me makeup is, covers a lot of intangibles. You know, mental toughness. I don't think I've ever been on a club with 25 guys with mental toughness. These guys, there was no way these guys felt like they were going to get beat by anybody. They were going to find a way to beat you. That's pretty much how it went with us. But our pitching was our strength. There's no question about it. And our defense, I don't think, got enough of credit because they were that good. And I'm surprised that they didn't get a lot of credit. Well, I'll tell you what, speaking of clutch, no one was more clutch than you in the 1972 World Series. You're an A's legend. It's always great to have you on the program and truly enjoy a moment like this because I know it means so much to you guys to get together because you are a bunch of brothers. Yeah, you got to enjoy. You don't know how many more days you're going to have left. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was so much fun doing the Q&A with this team. Truly one of the great teams in the history of baseball. We want to thank Raleigh Fingers, Vita Blue, and Gene Tennis, remembering the 1972 Oakland Athletics. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.